Jesus. Um, now, I hope that today you have not chosen to make Infused Church Online your Valentine's Day date, um, because if you did, just fair warning, we're going to get relationally deep today, and so I don't want to cause some unnecessary tension on, on Valentine's Day, but I do think, regardless of if you're dating or married, or even if you're single, and today is for you Single, single People Awareness Day, um, regardless of where you are, what we're talking about today in this series is just applicable to all of relationships. It just is even more necessary, more important when it comes to those long-term loving marriages and relationships, because that's uh, what we're going to focus on. Uh, What we've been talking about, what we're going to continue to focus on every week is one thing that happy couples um, know, okay? So I, I hope you will find today helpful. Um, most of us, when we when we get married, um, or when actually more particularly when we're out dating in the dating world, um, we we dream of, we hope for, in some cases we actually pray for finding Mister Wright or Mrs. Wright. Isn't that true? Like even if you've been married for years, if you think back to when you were in the dating world of things, um, you you were dreaming about finding the right person right? Is he the one? Is she the one? I hope he's the one. I hope she's the one. None of us dreamed about becoming the right person. We didn't dream about how we could become a better someone for the someone we wanted to be with. We didn't dream of becoming a better someone for the someone we wanted to be with. And this matters because we didn't think about whether or not ourselves and and all of our expectations and hopes and dreams fit with the person that we found or we came to know as the one or we committed to or started a a relationship with. Um, And and so we didn't think about kind of what we were bringing to the table so much as what we were thinking about what they would be bringing to the table and, and if they fit what we wanted. And so then the relationship develops and, and it grows and all that good stuff. And eventually you get married, right? You, you, you get married and, and they didn't know this at the time. And well, you didn't fully get this at the time either, but because you got married and, and maybe you're not even married yet, you're, you're, but you're exclusive, you know, you have defined the relationship, you have commitment in your relationship you didn't realize or know that you're doing this at the time, or maybe you're in the middle of this and you don't realize that this is what you're doing, but you begin to um, put your expectations on the other person. Your expectations of what they should be and how they should act and a whole lot of things, you begin to put them on them because, well, they're the one. And so, like we talked about last week, we come into the relationship and we bring our expectations to them. And it doesn't necessarily happen right away, though sometimes it does, where we just literally take the box of our expectations and hopes and dreams and everything and just give it to them. But in a lot of cases, we, we do it incrementally. And so, you know, we just start off with the, with the money, right? I mean, we have expectations around um, who's going to make the money and Well, who's going to spend the money, right? Um, We have expectations around who does uh, the scheduling in our family, in our relationship, you know, where we're going to go when and what we're going to see when and all that good, good stuff. We have expectations um, around that. We have expectations around the number of kids that we're going to have. We have expectations around uh, the dream house that we're going to own or dream 
houses that we're going to own because it's not just one, it's plural. And they didn't know that, but you know, they'll, they'll figure it out. Um, we, we have dreams and expectations around where we go to church or what churches we don't go to, or if they are asking for too much of our money or not. We have expectations around that, uh, traveling around the world. We have expectations that we are going to travel. We're not going to travel. We're going to be homebodies, or we're going to go and see the world or whatever. We have expectations around what our spouse is going to wear, you know, or how she's going to do her hair. Come on, men, you, you have this. And, and ladies, you have expectations about the, the hero your man is going to be for you and also what he's going to wear. And I bet you Captain America gets his honey-do list done, and you're hoping your man will too, um, just to, as an example, okay? And we said last week that it's okay to have expectations, but the problem is what we do with it that matters. Because your spouse, when, when they start getting these, when you start essentially handing these over to them, they don't feel like this is hopes and dreams. They feel like this is work. They feel like these are tasks. These are burdens. This is homework that they gonna, they're going to have to take on. And it doesn't go a great direction. If, and if you missed last week, you can go to our website or our app and download it and, and watch as we talk about expectations. But I mean, imagine just with me for just a second, imagine that, that on your wedding day, you came to the altar and on the altar was, um, your, uh, was your rings, and was your uh, marriage license, and a list of your spouse's hopes, dreams, and expectations. And by the end of the ceremony, you will have exchanged rings, you will have signed your marriage license, and you have to sign their expectation document to say that you are committed to making all of their hopes, dreams, and expectations possible. Think about that. How, How would that feel for you? It'd almost make you want to sing, right? It'd just be so amazing. You'd think to yourself, can you feel the love to know? No, you wouldn't feel love. You don't feel love, do you? You'd feel like, what? What did I just commit to? I thought we were committing to marriage. I didn't realize I was committing to driving this car or making this much money. It essentially takes the love out of the whole thing. I mean, could you imagine having to do that on your wedding day? Like we said last week, love or owe you suffocates love you. Because what begins to happen is these expectations, you owe me my expectations and I owe you your expectations. And it's just a kind of back and forth exchange of I owe you and you owe me. And I'm just telling you, before you know it, it feels like work. And then before too long after that, it just feels like, um, it feels like your love is being suffocated. Especially because you're, expectations are not always going to line up. And when your expectations don't line up, you're going to have conflict. And we're going to talk about conflict next week. So don't miss, don't miss that um, next week. But you're going to fail to meet their expectations. And that's going to create debt. And it's going to create this OU attitude. And it's, it's just not going to go well. I don't think personally I will ever love my mortgage company. Unless, with one exception, unless they forgive my debt, then I would love my mortgage company. And you would too. You would love your mortgage company, wouldn't you? In fact, that's a little bit of a Jesus reference there, but we're not there yet. Okay, we're going to get there, okay? See, what happy couples know, happy couples know, we learned this last week, they know expectations. They know what to do with them. They know how to handle them. They know how Jesus modeled them. And if you don't know, you need to watch last week because 
it is so critical to the happiness component of your relationship. Now, happy couples also know what we're going to talk about today. And what we're going to talk about today is helping you to understand further, essentially, how to handle those expectations. But we're also going to talk about a key part of just really any good relationship. This is going to help you with the expectations, but it's also just going to help you have a good relationship. And what happy couples know that comes, uh, that we're going to talk about today comes from the Apostle Paul. And Paul was a man, uh, crazy, crazy story, started off Jewish, became Christian, then became a church planter. He started all these churches around the Mediterranean Rim. He wrote half of our New Testament in the Bible. There's Old Testament, New Testament. He wrote half of, well, more than half almost of the New Testament. It's pretty crazy. And what he wrote about, he didn't just make up. When Paul wrote, he essentially applied the commands and teachings and the model of Jesus. His writings were application and explanation excuse me, of Jesus's writings. And we looked last week at one of those commands. Uh, the command was to love one another as I have loved you. And how did Jesus love you? Well, he died for you. And so we are to love one another in such a profound sacrificial way, just like Christ loved us. And so then Paul takes these commands and he applies them throughout his entire writing. Here's, a, here's an example that he wrote to the church in Ephesus. We call it the book of Ephesians, but it was a church, much like infused church, just meeting in, in the town uh, in Rome of Ephesus, in the Roman Empire of Ephesus. It says, be kind and tenderhearted to one another, forgiving each other, and here's the key part, just as Christ God, forget, just as in Christ God, rather, forgave you. This just as component. He, it's always application of Christ's command or Christ's model. Then, a chapter later, he starts to talk about families. And as soon as he starts to talk about families, he like goes right at relationships. He goes right at marriage. And he gives us our key for what happy couples know. And it's based on the same application that you're going to do this because that's what Christ did for you, okay? And so here's what happy couples know. Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. That's it. Any questions? I can't hear you if you had any. Okay, so let's pray, all right? Heavenly Father, just kidding, okay. If that verse, if, if this verse, actually, if this ver verse bothers you, if this verse maybe was one of the reasons that you left the church, I'm really glad that you're here because these are some of the verses, this one in particular, is one of those verses that has been really misused over centuries to do the opposite of what Jesus taught us to do in loving, but instead to essentially uh, alienate and subjugate other people, in this case, women. What Paul is saying here is actually profound application of Jesus's model. The problem is it's just really easy to miss. And one of the reasons it's easy to miss is because it's taken out of context, but also um, because people don't realize that, especially in this verse, context is everything. You can't actually even take this sentence 
out of the sentences around you because it doesn't actually make any sense. We talked about so far this year, we've actually done a lot of Greek and Hebrew. The Old Testament is written in Hebrew. New Testament is written in ancient Greek. And when you actually go back to the original language, this is where things get really interesting because if I literally translated this verse right here from ancient Greek to English word for word, okay, like one word for one word, here is what Ephesians 5.22 would actually read. The wives to their own husbands as to the Lord. Submit is not in that sentence. So is our translation wrong? No. In Greek, what they often do is they would infer the verb from the sentence before it. And so in this case, submit. The word submit is only um, possible to fit into the sentence because of the sentence that comes before it. So to understand this sentence, we have to go to the sentence before it. So essentially we call it verse 21. Here's what Paul says. He says, submit to one another. When it comes to marriage, when it comes to relationships, when it comes to dating, submit to one another out of, and here's where the reference to Christ comes in, out of reverence for Christ. This Greek word, submit, Hiptasio in Greek. It's kind of fun, especially if you put like an accent on it, like hiptasio, something like that. Okay, you can do that at home. Okay, <clears throat> impress, impress the, uh, your spouse or something. Okay, when this sentence, I'm just telling you, when this sentence was read out loud to the church, the people that, that followed Jesus in Ephesus, the congregation heard this sentence, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. They were shocked this was so incredibly countercultural to what they knew. For us today, you, you see this verse and it's like, oh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what it's supposed to be, I guess. Um, and that's what we're striving for in America and all. But in Roman culture 2,000 years ago, this was shocking. The reason it was shocking is because we've talked about this before in one of our last uh, series uh, we did called Love, Sex, and Dating. We spent a whole Sunday talking about a little bit of the tension in Rome at the time. And in, in Rome at the time, women were like, Nothing. They were essentially like almost property, okay? And, uh, it, and things got really bad because men would mistreat women all the time and, and treated them as property. Uh, eventually, Rome had to make laws, get this, to force men to get married and to protect women. Not because they wanted to or because they believed it was the right thing to do, it was just because their society was falling so apart because of just the chaos that ensued from this one giant Friday night rave that was treating women in those days. It was just so bad that they had to fix it by instituting laws. But even before those laws came to, to be, Paul wrote this letter saying, marriage, relationships with others should be defined by Submission, mutual submission to one another. In other words, this is not a one-way street. This is one another. This is submitting to each other. And then he goes on to detail this out, okay? And you can read the full section, Ephesians chapter 5, when you get home. But here's the two kind of main verses that he applies then to women and to men. He goes on, he says, wives... We read this, submit yourself to your own husband as you do to the Lord. And then a couple verses later, he says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. 
And what did he do? How did he love the church? How did he love those people who followed him? He gave himself. He died for them. He died for, gave himself up for her. So in other words, Roman men listening to Paul's words, because they would often be spoken aloud in front of everyone. You need to treat your spouse as if you are giving your life for them. That is in the way in which you are submit to each other. This is how you should treat one another. Out of reverence for, out of awe for Christ. Especially because when it comes to Jesus, a lot of us, whether we believe in him or not, I mean, we have not followed him as well as we should. We have not listened to Jesus as much as we should. We have sinned against God. We have sinned against Christ, even though Christ died for us. We don't treat him as well as we should, yet he still died for us. That is awe-inspiring a little bit, isn't it? Like, you all, humanity, didn't deserve it, yet I'm going to give everything for you. And so this is how I want you to treat one another. I want you to submit to one another. Now, I want to be very clear. This is not submission that says this. This is not submission that says, I'm less than you, or I'm obsessed with you. This is not submission that says, I'm less than you because you're better than me. You're superior to me. I defer to you because I can't make decisions on my own. I can't make decisions independently. In other words, I'm dependent on you emotionally, physically, almost maybe a hint of like desperation in there sometimes. Like without you, spouse of mine, I am just lost. I mean, it's maybe nice to write in a poem or something, but not in actual practice because it, it means that you are less than. And that's not Paul, what Paul's saying. Paul's saying you are equals submitting in love to each other just as Christ through love submitted his life to you. This is not submission that says, I'm obsessed with you. This is not submission that says, I see you then that you're better than myself, that I, 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 uh, I don't deserve someone as good as you. You're just that amazing. Therefore, I'm obsessed with you. I'm going to fawn over you. I'm going to pepper you with compliments. I'm going to defer to you at every chance I get. I'm going to make myself less than so that you know you're better than because I'm just overwhelmed with you. That's not equality. That's less than. That's not the kind of submission we're talking about. It's two equals. The kind of submission we're talking about, we're talking about the submission that says what's good for you before what's good for me. Say that again. What's good for you before what's good for me. I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to be here for you, not because of something you did or didn't do, but because my heavenly father was there for me, even though it wasn't good for him. He put what was good for me first. When th This is the kind of submission that says, you know, when I have a decision to make, who am I going to think of first? Think about that. I mean, when you have a decision to make or you have a choice on your hands, you know, who, who do you think of first? 
When you analyze wants and desires, do you think of your wants, desires, expectations, hopes, and dreams? Or do you think of your spouse's hopes and dreams? You think about what you want, right? I want this. I'm going to do this. Do I want to go there? Do I want to go on a run? Do I want to exercise? Do I want that car? Yes, I do. No, I don't. Somewhere along those lines. You think of what you want. Because you think in a relationship, all you're responsible for bringing to the table is just you. I'd like to think that you are that special, but that's not the kind of relationship we're talking about. We're talking about a submission that says, when I have a decision to make, when I have words to speak out loud, I'm going to choose, I'm going to choose mutual submission. I'm going to choose mutual submission that says, I'm going to care for your good before my own. My friends, this right here, this makes relationships amazing. This right here is when love comes alive in a relationship. That's when you go to this box of expectations, hopes, and, and dreams, and, and all that stuff. And, and when you think about what food you're going to eat, you think of, well, what's best for you? What, what's best for those around me? When you think about, you know, your schedule and, and, and your calendar and, you know, what, what's, what holidays are, are coming up, you know, you're going to think to yourself, well, honey, I, I want you to, I want, I want to go to your family for um, Christmas and Easter and, um, and Fourth of July. And then we can go to my family for uh, holidays like May Day and President's Day and Halloween. Why? Because I want what's good for you first. A little silly, but you get what I'm saying, okay? You know, for, for Stephanie and I, um, you know, Stephanie makes these delicious uh, cookies that I'm going to share with the production team because that's the award you get for coming to church here on Sundays. <laughs> um, but uh, and she makes these cookies, and I mean, I'll be honest with you. Uh, they look great and they taste great, but I don't want to eat them because they just, they seriously, they just go to my hips and, and it's just not good. And, but then I think to myself, it's not about what I want. It's about what's best for her. And so, so then I think to myself, well, I don't want to offend her delicious cooking, so I better eat the cookies. You're tracking with me here so far, aren't you? Good. Good. I'm so glad. Um, yeah, when it comes to where we're going to go and travel or maybe where we're going to move, you know, honey, I want to hear what you have in mind. What, what's good for you, okay? Um, you know, if I have a, a night out with my friends, you know, and I'm going to go party it up or something, you know, I'm going to think instead, hey, maybe I could spend this evening with my spouse, no phones, and we're just going to have some quality time together. And I'm going to do that not because I owe them anything, it's just because I want what's good for them to come first. It says, I'll go to the door first, honey. I'll get the door for you first. And your honey says back to you, no, honey, I'll get the door for you. And you say, no, 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 I'll, I'll get the door. And they say, no, no, I'll get the door for you. No, I will buy dinner tonight. No, let me clean for you. No, let me watch the kids for you. It becomes a submission comp 
competition. And I know it feels silly, but my friends, this is what happy couples know. This is what they know. How, how do you feel? Think about this. How do you feel when your spouse puts you first? Do we even need to talk about it? I mean, it's pretty straightforward, isn't it, ladies? How do you feel when, you're, when your man puts you first? Guys, you know, when your lady puts you first, how, how do you feel? You feel loved. This is how God intended it to be. Now, I realize for some of you, you're thinking to yourself, well, Taylor, I get that, that that's how God intended it to be. But some of you are saying, this may be intended, some of you actually even pray this, I think, sometimes. You know, God, I get how this is how you intended it to be, but it feels like I'm the only one submitting in this relationship. I'm always helping them out. I'm always helping my spouse or, or my girlfriend or my boyfriend out with what they want. There's not so much competition because if it was a competition, God, I would be winning. And God says to you and to me, now you know how I feel towards all of you all the time. I give you the world, literally. But yet, it feels like it's only a one-way street. It's not fun. It's not happy when submission goes only one way, when love goes only one way, is it? So what did God do? Well, God forgave us. He didn't try to fix us. He just forgave us. And then he made it possible for us to change, to make a decision to change and to be fixed through Christ. But the decision is totally ours. He didn't force us into it. He didn't threaten us into it. He just said, you have a choice. The choice is, is, is to be fixed or to continue to live how you want. And if you live how you want, it may be, very well be, it will be apart from me. But if you want to be fixed through Christ, we can be together. You have the opportunity to change. You do have, we all have the opportunity to say, honey, I don't think this is a submission competition. You should probably have them watch this message, otherwise it could get a little strange. But, you know, this can be mutual. It should be mutual, honey. And we need to talk about it because I'm not sure that it is. This feels very one way. This feels like not how God intended it to be. And I forgive you. I'm not going to try to fix you. I can't. But I do think there's hope. And I do think this is where we need to go. I do want you to know, honey, that happy couples know that love is a mutual submission. Couples, by the way, it takes two. It's a both and. It's a relationship. But this is where love is, my friends. This is where your heavenly father wants you to be right here. This is where I pray we will all be right here. That happy couples know that love is a mutual submission. Now, I want to real quick address two trends that I've just personally noticed in relationships today. Uh, and you can disagree with me um, and you can feel defensive and, and I totally get that. Um, I, I'm not trying to make this feel like I'm being a judgy pastor for the next couple of moments. Um, but I just think with everything we've discussed so far this morning and really last week too as a backdrop, I think this is a helpful point to insert 
the submission competition concept, the mutual submission concept into these two trends for you to think about. At the very least, I just invite you to think about, not feel judged by me, not feel like, oh, now I got to change because the pastor yelled through the TV screen at me. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just inviting you to consider this, okay? The first trend that I've noticed is the trend that says we're keeping everything separate. My car, your car. My money, your money. My stuff, your stuff. You maybe be able to live in my house or I can live in your house, but you're going to pay these bills and I'm going to pay these bills. And I think um, the trend is that way because we've convinced ourselves that it's easier to do it that way. Because in a lot of ways, then we can just hold our spouse accountable for what they owe us or not. And therefore, it makes it safer and cleaner to do it that way. But here's my question. Where is the submission in we're keeping everything separate? The answer is nowhere. Because we're keeping everything separate requires no submission. It requires you to keep track. It requires you to keep track of who owes who. Who's more in debt to each other. And it personifies, it brings to bear the debt-debtor relationship that will ultimately suffocate love. Because in so doing, you're creating the debt-debtor relationship and you're effectively saying to the other person, I value my money and my stuff over you. I value my money and my stuff over you. Here, real quick. Um, Where's my, oh, I put it at the bottom. I just want to be clear. We've talked about this before. This is a $100 bill. More accurately, this is a piece of cotton woven and stamped with ink. Okay? That's all this is. This is all this is. Is a piece of cotton worth more than the ones you loved? The ones you're closest to? You are effectively saying, I'm not going to submit my things to you, my things to you. I'm going to keep the place in, the heart, in my heart where these things reside to myself. You are not going to have that place in my heart. You are not going to take up the place in my heart where this right here resides. That is not mutual submission. That is not what God envisioned. God's version of love, my friends, God's version of love says, I want to give to you. From the beginning, in fact, I want to give you a whole new world. So don't you dare close your eyes. Anybody get that reference? Okay. Jesus says the two become one. He literally gives you a whole world. And then he says, the two become one for good reason. Why? Submission. You before me and me before, and, and you, you before me and, and, and vice versa. 
The second trend that I've noticed um, that's kind of happened together, uh, happened uh, lately is um, living together and, and not married. And I'm not saying this from a place of judgment, otherwise I'd be a hypocrite, but I'm asking you to consider and not write me off as some crazy Christian pastor, okay? I just want you to consider for a second <clears throat> the implications of that and our idea of mutual, of, uh, of mutual submission and the fact that really, in essence, you're resisting submission. I want you to consider um, what, you're, what you're doing is, is uh, you're saying, and, and there's a lot of reasons, don't get me wrong, to resist marriage. Um, like namely, if you don't even believe in God, then you wouldn't believe in his version of Mary, but uh, of getting married. But part of the reasons you're living together and not married is because, well, the future is scary. And what if they were the wrong person? What if they are the wrong person? They could change over time. They could hurt me. They may not look as good 20 years from now as they do right now. What if I find someone better along this journey? What if they find someone better along this journey? And so then we have to get divorced. And who would want to, who would want to submit themselves before someone else and risk divorce? Who would want to commit to a contract where 50 plus percent of the time it's broken? God. God would do this. God would commit to a relationship where only a part of his people stay committed. Because that's what love does. That's what God did. Be here next month for a series that we're going to do through the month of March where we're going to talk about God being faithful when his creation was not and when times and when his people didn't even realize that God was working on their behalf and they're just like plowing forward with what they want to do when they want to do it and they're missing the whole thing that God's trying to do. Love submits to one another, not blindly entirely. I mean, if, if it's a one-way street, God clearly is, is pretty clear there is separation. But love submits to one another. Love says, I want you to know you are so important to me that I would choose you over me. That's what Christ said through his death and resurrection. Is I, the God loves you so much that I am going to lose my life for you. Happy couples know, my friends, that love is a mutual submission. You go first. No, you go first. No, let me apologize. No, let me commit to you before you commit to me because I want you to know that you are in my best interests. Let me forgive first. Let me redo that for you because I want to love you better. My friends, let's Let's love how Christ loved by submitting himself to one another. That's what happy couples know. And you can try all the alternatives. You can try to make it work in different ways. I'm just telling you, it generally is difficult to live relationally outside of how God created you and this world to live. You can try it but it may not work out as well as you think. And so maybe consider, consider 
what God had to say, what Jesus did, and how you can live and reflect what he modeled. If you would, bow your heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for the words of Paul. Thank you for the model of Christ. A model of love shown through mutual submission, compassion, love to one another. Lord, this is difficult. It is challenging. It is uncomfortable. It is not how many of us were probably raised. It wasn't the model that we grew up with, though it is the model we can turn to now for hope and direction in our future. This is not a process that happens overnight. It is a process that is a journey. It is a process of following you. Help us to do that, Lord. Help the spouses watching today, the future spouses watching today to strive not towards finding Mr. and Mrs. Wright, but becoming Mr. and Mrs. Wright. Someone who follows you, who understands these concepts and their relationship begins and is lived out through these principles more than ever. Lord, help us to do this. Help us to seek out answers if we get lost. Help us to seek out help if we fall down. But to set our eyes and our hearts on you and your model for our closest, in fact, all of our relationships. In your name I pray. Amen. A couple uh, 